This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science. What's going on, guys? On this episode of the Blood, Sweat, and Gear Coaching Q&A, we are joined again by Nate Spear, and we dive straight into your listener questions. This week, for somebody who's cycling, when and how do you begin to add more compound? Then we're joined by my fiance, researcher Victoria Felker, to help answer a question about a woman who is having difficulty losing fat while using an SSRI with her birth control. That question might not be everybody's jam, but listen, it's important that we tackle these questions for our female listeners. If you want to skip through it, there's timestamps below. After that, five must-have machines if you're building your own gym. Old school training nuggets that have been forgotten. What do you wish you knew about bodybuilding when you were younger, plus planning your first cycle? Listen, if you're new here, then I encourage you guys to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week, IFBB pros and educators in our industry to help you be better at the sport that we love. All right, guys, let's get to it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Berry. I'm Scott McNally, and we are joined by our special guest, IFBB pro, Nate Spear. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality, third-party tested supplements that hardcore bodybuilders have trusted now for over 15 years. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our, U, uh, excuse me, for our Canadian people. I almost said UK for some reason. For our Canadian people, check them out. They have great deals on uh, discounted supplements. Guys, today we've got a bunch of listener questions. We've these questions, some of them are like almost a month old. So we need to like pound through a bunch of listeners. Yeah, but can I just ask today. one question to Nate that I forgot to ask uh, you last week? To ask? Since turning pro, and this is an honest, this is an honest question. Um, and I can't be the only one, I would think, that would be thinking this. Since turning pro, and you've got that IFBB status now, and I know it hasn't been that long, but like say you go to like like Applebee's or Chili's, Denny's. do you show them the card and ask like, like if they have a discount <laughs> or like if there's anything like you try to benefit from it? Because I think you should. I don't know if you do, but do you know who I am? Well, it's funny because I don't even have to show them the card. They already know who I am when I walk yeah. in the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair Actually, enough. Skip, they don't even let pros into shows anymore. Like, uh, you know, back in the day, any IFBB pro oh, could yeah. just walk into any bodybuilding show. Oh, yeah. Like, they charge you to go backstage. They charge you to watch in the crowd. Oh, wow. No discounts in, in any sense in any way. Right. I'm going to make a joke. No offense, guys. I think you'll get it. But that's because the entire audience would be getting in for free. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. in the de- but you have Sorry, to guys. you have to throw this <laughs> added caveat or that added except for me and Skip. They're they're not <laughs> well that too, but they're not bodybuilding pros. It's all the other divisions that have created all these pros that they yeah. can't keep track of. Bodybuilding yeah. is still a motherfucker to it get is. a pro card in. It's it's really not much different than it was 20 years ago. It's all the other divisions that we feel, I feel, I won't say we, has watered down that, oh, everybody's a pro. So if you ever hear me say everybody's a pro, they're handing out pro cards, Nate and Andrew, please don't be offended by that because I do not mean that it has anything to do with regular bodybuilding. It has everything to do with the other divisions. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for clearing that up, Skip, and uh, yeah. making me feel better about the, the joke I made. <laughs> I'm going to Applebee's after this. <laughs> All right. So we're going to dive right into these listener questions, guys. We got to uh, – we have to – 
appease our audience because they've asked these questions for a while now. Uh, I'm going to start straight with this one. This will be like a good place to like make this our, our lead topic. Um, this is from Matt. He says, um, when do you think it's time to increase doses or add more compounds to your cycle? Do you have a method with your competitors or do you just add uh, if you feel like it? The answer to the first question is tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. I, I have a dartboard and I a just wheel. like right, a I'm wheel. Trend up there, deck uh, orals, and I'm just like like that. Like, okay, you're getting some orals today, kid. <laughs> no, for me, I'm not someone that likes to bridge or um, that likes to start really low and then add you know 100 milligrams every two weeks. Or I, I've seen some plans that some people do where they they taper up over time. Yeah. Very rarely will I ever do that. Um, but what I do like to do is throw in certain oral compounds at times, but it's really based off of strength plateaus more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, I think you can't go wrong by adding a little halo test and an anadrol. Um, let's say, you know, you're struggling to get that hack squat past eight plates. You've been there for three, four, five weeks. All of the variables are good. Your digestion is good. You're, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we might throw that in on that leg day in particular, or we might use it for like two weeks in a blast to get you over a kind of a, a weight or a um, overall strength plateau. Uh, but I, I'm not a huge fan of running orals long term in the off season. I don't like to start cycles off with orals usually. Um, sometimes people can talk me into it if they're like, oh, I really like to front load with blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, do it. If you want to put that water weight on and then we'll clean up your digestion later, go for it. But yeah. Um, but then, you know, and getting back to the digestion thing, it is kind of a double-edged sword because if someone's already, if they're already telling me like, man, I'm having a hard time getting all my meals in, I'm very hesitant to want to add those orals in because I know that about six to eight days later, they'll be like, coach, I can't even get my breakfast in. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's one of those things where you got to weigh the cost and in, in, in the, um, you know, benefits and the uh, cost uh, together. But um, to answer the question, like I would add some orals in, uh, usually halotestin and anadrol at some point when you reach some plateau marker to kind of push you over the edge towards the end of a cycle usually. Anadrol is funny because it can eat up your appetite, eat up your appetite. It can destroy your appetite. Let's go with that. <laughs> and you're not getting in as much food, but you're growing like a motherfucker. I know. Yeah. It's you always can skip awesome. two meals and you can still you yeah. can still be like five pounds heavier. <laughs> you're like, if I could only get these meals in, I'd be growing even more than I am. I don't know. Yeah. Anadrol is like magic. Just take it and you're going to get stronger and bigger. And if you like your wife about three weeks into Anadrol, you, you should probably let her know that you're on Anadrol. I don't know about your wives, but my wife, my wife can kick some ass. She can probably kick my ass. So that's not a very good thing. If you're an asshole, I always say this shit. It's like pouring gas on a fire. If you're an asshole, just don't take Anadrol. Don't take Anadrol. Really? really? Oh, God. Anadrol. You know, in the off season, you can, I think you can get you can get away with a little bit more. But okay. anytime you combine a a drug that makes you very, very aggressive, like a halitestin or an Anadrol, or even trend to that degree, and you, to some degree, and you add that to to being hangry, but yeah. man. So the, 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 guy, the Anadrol would be, to you, would be just as much of like a, a mood or a, a mood changer as say Halo would? Or, or well, close to, similar? Here's the thing, I'm gonna let a little secret out. I've taken drugs longer than all of you guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not better than you. I'm just saying, I am a, if I'm a professional, I'm a professional drug user. I have used shit for a long time. I can be on that shit, and I'm, my wife, if she were here, would tell you the same thing. You're not gonna know I'm on it. You guys can probably relate to the longer you're on shit, 
the more you're aware and you understand, it's like being on Clint and being anxious. You basically tell yourself, you get to the point where subconsciously you're like, yeah, I'm anxious because I'm on Clint. You do the same thing with gear once you're on it for a while and you understand how you're going to respond. So you don't have, typically, you don't have as much like aggression at the guy in front of you on the road because you know you're on a bunch of shit and you might be on Anadrol or specific compounds, so you chill a little bit. Um, but the, yeah, Anadrol, things like that don't, halitestin is is a different but i don't i'll admit this i haven't used halitestin in 12 or 15 years i don't like it because it's so i'm not saying it's not a good compound it's a good compound there's no no arguing that what i have said you guys have heard me say i think before is the cost to benefit because i personally have pulled it myself and left it out or replaced it with something else that wasn't as hepatoxic i didn't notice the difference from leaving it out. So from a cost to benefit, you know, kind of analyzing thing, I would rather leave it out than to put it in and not see this obvious dramatic, you know, or, or not benefit from this obvious and dramatic change by just, I think really being rough on your liver for two, three, sometimes four weeks. I'm not a big fan. I know Andrew, I think you are right. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I can't argue that it's, it's a damn good compound. But what about the like the 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 building of the cycle versus? I don't you know, build them. I, okay, I, I don't. And, I don't like to build them you, either. Let's 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 look at it this way. Let me. I think what he may be I asking is, when do you want to increase the doses? Like I ran five hundred milligrams a test right. for the last cycle. Should I run seven fifty this cycle? Type thing. Sure. Um, it, okay. uh, let me let me touch on something real quick, and that is if you're already in a you know let's say you're in the off season and you hit a plateau. I'm not going to go to gear first, and I think a lot of people do. I, in fact, I would say that the large majority of good trainers don't go to gear first. They go to the nutrition and they make sure the nutrition is right, checking recovery, checking the training volume, frequency, intensity. They go with the recovery route that way first. If they don't see anything or if we don't see anything, I'll speak for myself. If I don't see anything, then I'm going to go to the gear and I may increase it. So I can't say that point. I don't, but it's not common. I will say that in prep I do. I add compounds as I go. Now, I don't start terribly, ridiculously small, but I typically add I guess I'm an adder versus a switcher. I guess it's a better. I prefer to add a compound versus switching one com compound for the other. I'll still switch, but I would I like to add and build as calories come down and recovery I feel is compromised mm -hmm. more as that as you get further into a, a caloric restriction. Uh, but I don't want anybody to confuse that with oh, I'm just going to add a ton of shit. All I'm saying is it it will go up usually in a prep. So from off season to off season, um, gosh, there's not a black and white. Let me ask you guys this. I feel like that's more of a gut feeling. Like if you're working with yeah. someone for a while, you, you just kind of, it's, it's guttural. It's, it's something where you instinctive, I guess is a better word. Uh, cause gut feeling makes it sound so much more random. <laughs> I think it's uh, something where you're just, you're tracking someone's progress, right? So you're trying to get the most out of the least, right? So if I'm working with someone and they're sort of newer, you know, like Scott said, I'll start out with like, you know, 500, 600 makes a test and that's it. See how they respond. Right. And then go from there and, you know, maybe add some EQ down the road. And then next year, you know, we might dabble in the NPPN EQ with the test. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And slowly go from there and just sort of, but see how that person responds. Cause there's no point in adding stuff in if they're, if they're growing, they're sort of, you know, responding well, 
because um, you sort of want to save that kind of stuff for down the road. I always think it's like good to save as many options as you can for as long as you can, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, let me ask you this. If you're, what if you're running like 500 milligrams a test for your first two cycles and you wanted to do more, would you then add a new compound or would you increase the test, Andrew? Well, it depends on how, how, how what, what kind of results do they get off just running a straight test, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, if they if they were you know putting on that five yeah. to seven that we talked about in a previous segment, you know, in those first two cycles, I say, hey, let's keep doing what we're doing. Maybe bump bump the cycle up a little bit to like you know seven hundred megs a test. But um, you know, typically, I find that most people that come to us, or at least myself, uh, have already had a decent amount of experience with anabolics. And what I find myself doing more often than anything is is asking for their feedback on what do they feel that they grew the most off of, or what do they, and, and also mm-hmm. what do they feel they had the least amount of side effects on. So it's more of like, you know, I don't want to just say, hey, it's, it's my way or the highway type thing for compounds. I want to hear what they have to say. And unless they say something that's just like, like way outlandish, like, oh, I like to run a thousand tests, a thousand trend in the off season or something like that. I'm like, eh, that's not really my thing, man. Um, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's really a matter of listening to their feedback. Now, if they are completely new, I would probably say, okay, let's add in, um, another compound. Let's try either DECA or, N- or uh, NPP or even EQ. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think I would probably rather, and again, there are factors like you say, but I think I would rather at that point, if they were at 500, 600, I'd probably rather add in a, in another compound just to see. Well, That's, I agree with Andrew too. It's like sometimes I feel like coaches have a big ego and they don't really want to listen to feedback or sort of, you know, just be quiet and sort of listen to what I say. But I think Andrew has a good point as far as, you know, I've had people where they say, you know, I don't, EQ doesn't really make me feel very well, maybe get anxiety, that kind of stuff. Or same with MVP, obviously, like the 19 NORs. A lot of times people have, you know, it sort of disagrees with them, their mood, that kind of stuff. So if they give you that feedback, okay, like I don't really agree with the MPP or feel that well, then we might do the EQ or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or Primo is always a good one, you know? It serves a good purpose too, because if they're helping you pick the compounds and if things aren't going great, they made that decision on which compounds they're using. So, yeah. yep. I mean, not not to be like, oh, I told you so, but it's like, okay, so, you know, you wanted to try this and you're having these side effects, you know, you're, you're not sleeping through the night or you're extremely irritable or you lost your digestion. Let's put that in the compounds of that we probably shouldn't use and we won't use those. We'll look at other compounds. So yeah. it's almost like they're doing the process of elimination for you. And it's more of a team effort versus, you know, like what Nate was saying about ego driven. This is what I run with people. Yeah. Get with that. All right, move on here. We got a bunch more. Um, if performing an exercise <clears throat> with four sets, would starting with two heavier sets of fifteen reps and then two lighter sets of twenty sets, twenty reps, create more muscle stimulus, or would the opposite be more beneficial? Well, my first thought is that seems like way too much volume. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that seems like a lot of light sets, in my opinion. Like, like light two, in terms of load. Light almost like two load. failure sets or something, and then two back offsets, which sounds a little peculiar. But And then obviously I'm yeah, assuming there's some upsets before that. So I'm Yeah, not why not sure. doing like, why not when, once you're warmed up, doing like one set of somewhere in the 8 to 12 range and then one other set in the 15 to 20 rep range right. versus the four sets of what looked to me to be like higher rep sets. Why, why is that, Andrew? Why would you want to do like 8 to 12? 
What's that? Oh, right. because I mean, well, a, I think that the eight to twelve rep range is your your prime uh, muscle building rep ranges, and I think you know there's a lot of studies that show that hypertrophy is gained in all all rep ranges, but more primarily, uh, more more research shows that more results have come from that eight to twelve rep range. Not to say that certain body parts, certain fiber types, you know, can right. be stimulated with higher reps. Not saying that at all, um, right. but I just think it's a little redundant to be doing four sets north of fifteen reps. If you get yeah. what I'm saying. Also, I, I think like if you're I... not going to maximize your strength, right? Because you're sort of it's like yeah. dump, dump. It's like you're using like waist sets almost or whatever junk junk volume a little bit, you know? Yeah. Now, if that was a client who came to me and he asked me that specific question, and he said, "I'm going to do it this way," <clears throat> excuse me, "I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to do it exactly backwards," then I would say, "Do it backwards. <laughs> do your lighter sets that aren't as intense at 20 reps, and then get into your two sets of 15, especially if they're at failure." I mean. It is a high amount of volume. I mean, there's a lot of factors here that, you know, and I, I'm cool with high reps. I think that uh, a lot of people can benefit from them, especially when they're not used to being in those rep ranges. Hmm. Uh, I remember I had my legs took off when I started doing 15 and 20 rep sets to failure back 15, 17 years ago, uh, because it was something and I knew why it was something that sucked horribly bad. And it sucked horribly bad because my body was not acclimated to that. And again, it comes back to stimulus versus adaptation, you know, versus growth or hypertrophy. So it worked but as with anything else it worked for a period of time sometimes it's short sometimes it's longer and then it didn't work as well again so change coming back to the other question that we had there too if it's different and it's intense and it's a stimulus that your body's not used to you're likely to you know again get an adaptation and get growth i would just do it backwards from that but i agree with the lower reps too and I don't know how old he is. I mean, let's just say he's got horrible joints and it's an exercise that he's, yeah, then of course you're going to probably want those higher, higher repetitions. I'm totally cool with that. I'm much higher, use much higher repetition ranges now than I did when I was younger. I also have more, focus more on uh, time under tension uh, because I think that that's, and I don't want to get, go down that rabbit hole right now because that's not the topic of the conversation, but it, I think that's very, very important too. I will say, I would rather tell, I'll go ahead and eat. I was just going to touch on what Skip was saying. I think something like a leg press or something, you know, I would do like 20 rep sets warming up. So add a plate, 20 reps, add a plate, 20 reps, mm -hmm. you know, something like that, like you were saying. And then, you know, I might do like two heavy sets at the end, you know, like 10 to 15 reps or whatever, and just like sort of fail, you know. So I think for like right. you were saying, I agree with a, a higher volume and higher rep sets for legs uh, responding, especially I find that especially with people that are genetically not quite as gifted in the lower body development. I find that a lot of people respond pretty well to that kind of the, the volume from legs, you know, guys, we had a question that came in, uh, that we needed a special guest for. So we've got a special guest. If you would care to join us, uh, is this your dog again? Are you bringing your dog in? <laughs> Bet Jesus. Come on. <laughs> we, we, Oh God, it's Victoria. I did not even think Yeah, Skip. I was like, dude, her. you're gonna regret That's what you just horrible. said, Skip. <laughs> and it makes sense because he was looking up versus down. Yeah. The dog would have been I was more gonna be like, Skip, floor. what are you we doing? We brought the dog too, actually. She's one of the dogs this year. You know full well I set that whole thing up. I knew exactly who we uh <laughs> we we did with we had a question. Um it was a little while ago and I wanted to try to get her on at some point. So we were like, Hey, why don't we just jump in today with it? Uh, somebody had asked, uh, by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Victoria Felkar, uh, uh, nice to meet you. she, nice uh, to meet you. 
She's uh she's here to answer a question today that we got, which was the gist of it. Um, it had to do with taking an SSRI uh, on birth control, and how would this affect this girl's fat loss? Because she she I guess uh, found that she's not able to lose fat at this point while using this combination. They didn't say which SSRI it was. But Victoria had some thoughts on it. So I figured before she answers, please yes. tell some of the listeners who might not know how smart she is to begin with, instead of just being like random girlfriend coming in here to answer the question, because <laughs> she's kind of smart. So we need people to know that. Well, that's a good point, Skip. Uh, how do we how do we say how smart you are? How do we tell people? That? How do we convey that? Re researcher, you can say it into the mic. I don't wait. Mic on this or that? This, this, uh, this. See, you're I'm on not this that mic. smart, apparently. <laughs> um, it's a different setup, and we're camera, camera. Yeah, that's the camera. Over uh, there. Everything's screwed up today, guys. It is. It's been a long day. Um, I'm a researcher. I'm doing my PhD. I'm almost done, and I've been in the industry for a very long time. This way. So she's the smartest of the five of us. She is clearly the smartest. By one far. Here, so Except I don't know where to look and where to speak. So. There's a lot going on here. On the other we side don't either. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nights. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Uh, it'd be good just to hold them down by okay. your side. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, I know a little about a little of women's health. That's my area. A little? A little. A little bit more than a little. But anyway, but, but we did just want to jump in with yeah. this one because it was one of our listeners and and I didn't have a good answer for it. We thought you would be the best person to, to discuss this. And that mm -hmm. was the situation. It's uh, uh, somebody who's on birth control. Mm -hmm. They started an SSRI and they're not able to get fat loss. Mm -hmm. What's going on with that? Which birth control are they on? Did they did, say? Didn't they didn't say. say. So yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknown variables there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... Um, the way that I would look at this, if this was somebody that came to me as safer consulting is I would go looking at the variables. So what type of contraceptive are we on? Hormonal contraceptives are different than say copper IUD, different metabolic impacts. And then with hormonal contraceptives, what are we looking at? Are we looking at something that is say a progesterone only? Are we looking at a high dose estrogen plus a uh, progesterone that's been derived from an androgen? or a progesterone that's been derived from progesterone, all of these are gonna have different metabolic impacts on somebody. We know that hormonal contraceptives do have an impact on how somebody, um, from like a metabolic standpoint, so how somebody utilizes sugars peripherally, uh, insulin resistance is something that you do see. You also see though in certain um, oral contraceptives, a decrease in androgens. So that's gonna have its own metabolic impact, decrease in even DHEA. Um, there's usually a degree of issue with, uh, I mean, cortisol. You see a higher total level of cortisol at any given point in time. So when stressors hit, they don't necessarily get the same cortisol spike that somebody who's not on the pill will experience, but it's just because their levels are so high all the time. And those are all things that on their own are going to have an impact on somebody's metabolism let alone if they're, say, um, experiencing a t degree of um, hypothyroidism, something else you see, particularly with long-term use. So in women that have been on the pill for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, which is what I see a lot, you're going to see more negative impact on something like the thyroid over time. Um, and so that's just looking at the pill. Now let's look at SSRIs. 
Um, different SSRIs, just like with different contraceptives, are going to have uh, varying impacts on somebody's metabolic function. Uh, higher dose ones, um, ones that have a greater impact on, um, I mean, just overall serotonin will have a negative impact on the metabolism. But the thing with SSRIs too is if somebody has depression and they're not able to follow a diet or they're not able to get to the gym because of their depression, that actually can have a positive impact on somebody. So while there may be issues with say the overall impact on the metabolic processes, the things that are actually gonna attenuate them, the things that are gonna be positive for fat loss, they're able to actually do. So it's, an, it's interesting with SSRIs because of that. Um, same thing with say anti-anxiety medication. So where I would start if I, again, if I was working with this individual, it's really important to know is that we don't know the reasons why they're on an SSRI. We don't know the reasons why they're on the pill. And as people in the fitness industry, that's not really in our wheelhouse to say whether or not somebody should go off an SSRI or go off birth control. So I do definitely recommend them speaking to their doctor more about that. Um, also speaking to if there are certain varies of either a contraceptive or an SSRI that might have less metabolic impact. There are certain SSRIs that do have less impact on somebody's, um, let's say total fat gain. Um, and then from there, working through how can we do the best that we can to manage the risks of being on them. So what can we do to restore micronutrients that we know are going to be depleted when you're on the pill or using an SSRI? Um, what can we do to help manage the thyroid better or the metabolism? just in terms of just glucose um, balance. Do you guys can see you? you oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, man. Can you throw out off the top of your head, and, and I don't know what you can, so I apologize for putting you on the spot if that's the case, but are there one or two SSRIs that you know of that are less likely, uh, not only for this one person asking this question, but the listener, other listeners, that would is less likely to impact the metabolism negatively? versus one that just would fucking wreck it. I so put you on the spot. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it individualistic with it, uh, how different it may people be. respond? Yeah, it it may be. That's in my experience. And it's also dosing. Um, you know, there are certain SSRIs that can be used relatively safely at a very, very low dose. And that's one of the things I usually suggest with people is that whenever you're, I mean, any drug, you want to try to get away with the lowest dose possible. <laughs> Often with SSRIs though, I find that individuals get put on like more of a management dose to try to get symptom control right away. But what that does is you're now going on a much higher starting dose and all you can do is go up from there because your serotonin gets used to it, people start to get withdrawal, headaches, that type of thing. So I definitely think if you can start on the lowest dose possible um, and then also knowing that um, you have to find the right one for you. Because what could be the best from a metabolic standpoint, Skip, might be not strong enough to deal with your depressive symptoms. Right. So then it's like you're still kind of where you started. Sure. Um, I do think it's something that you have to find the right one for you at the end of the day. I made two more notes just real quick, and that is this. If I want to sound smarter, I'm going to use the word processes and attenuate. <laughs> Thank you. See, I learned, I learned a couple you things. You learned something. Unless that's Canadian. It might just be Canadian. It could know. just be me. Do you guys uh, do you guys see a lot of your clients uh, using uh, antidepressants? Um, here and there, not not. Yeah, I yeah. would say maybe too. like maybe ten percent. I would say. Okay. 
Yeah, I'd say I, I find that, that maybe. I feel that most people that are coming, at least to me or to maybe maybe us in general, are. I would say they probably fitness has, has imparted the benefits of um, you know de- decreasing the chances of depression. I guess um, it's rare when I find someone that's on you know a list of SSRIs or other different mood enhancers and whatnot. I would Can I throw something in here that I, oh go ahead Nate go for it. I'm just gonna say I, I see I, I find I run into the birth control thing a little bit more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Thing. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know about how you guys feel, but I um. I won't even um, usually bring a girl to stage if she's going to continue using birth control, just because I know I can't get her in the kind of condition or the you know, the, the the dryness, depending on which class we're looking at. But you know, like I can't have a women's physique competitor that's running birth control. Like it's just you're not going to get the kind of you know condition that you need to get into. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel or how you feel, Victoria. We should talk. <laughs> uh, have you have you been able to get people on stage? Yeah, it, it depends on what what they're taking. Um, yeah. Certain progesterones are actually pro metabolic, um, so there are certain birth controls. It's actually quite interesting. While you're on it, you can actually have pretty good fat loss, muscle retention. It's when you go off of it that you just gain a shit ton of weight. Um, and then there are other ones that you gain weight when you go on them, but when you go off them, you drop. So it's how about. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, how about um, adding uh, different androgens or, you know, pro-androgenic supplements like DHEA um, to try to correct some of the loss of androgens that they're getting? Yeah. So there's been a couple studies more recently that have used DHEA to try to attenuate the uh, loss in DHEA that you see. It's interesting. Um, You're going to see potentially more of a benefit when somebody's over the age of like 30, 35 of doing that because their DHA is dropping naturally. Um, And that's really kind of what the some of the studies said is that you're going to see more benefit to that. There is no research to say that adding androgens is going to be a good or bad thing. Uh, the yeah. only research we have on that is from East Germany. So I'm like, yeah, do we really want to go skewed. there? Um, because what <laughs> they would use is they would use contraceptives to be able to, uh, in their opinions, mask some of the side effects of the androgens that they were using. Mm-hmm. Um, they called it refeminization therapy. Um, but a lot of that actually came to just trying to get them to bleed, which we now know that the pill bleed doesn't, it isn't yeah. anything, right? Maddie. <laughs> I don't think agrees with you. We got a meltdown here, guys. We got a dog a meltdown. Dog meltdown. The whole but, family joined us. Um, but yeah, so there are certain progesterones too that you're going to get androgenic side effects from, and so when you're putting then androgens with those, I mean, virilization is going to happen. I think that's what a lot of, um, especially like within my research that I've really discovered, is that people don't give enough note to the androgenic quote androgenic side effects that we associate with androgens they also happen with certain progesterones you're going to get virilization you're going to get hair loss um, secondary you're going to get voice changes you're going to have um, a decreased affinity for fat loss but an increased ability to retain um, muscle mass they're not pro anabolic because of just like I mean the way we've classified sex hormones estrogens progesterones are for women androgens are for men it sounds like the most obvious birth control method would be the pullout method. And I know that was highly successful for myself and my wife. We only ended up having four kids. So I would recommend that. Like statistically, 
who wants to compete. Yeah. yeah statistically, yeah. you did Actually, pretty good. There's, there's a good one. I think it's going to be good. I just sunk a whole bunch of money on, into the company. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a newer, Victoria, you probably know this one. It's an injectable birth control that just brings the pH back to the same pH of the woman's vagina um, so that it kills the sperm. You, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's been around for a while. Um, but it, but it's been re-released. I think yeah. they repackaged it or they did something with it. With the, I think the whole idea here is they're trying to get away from maybe some of the estrogen dominance mm-hmm. or some of the other side effects that um, mm-hmm. some of the first and second generation um, birth mm-hmm. controls that are out there are you know have been causing, yeah. especially like you said, with women that have been on for 20, 25, 30 years now. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's a big winner because I sunk a well like one of the things i am a huge proponent of for for women is just tracking so the the fam method which is tracking you're tracking your menstrual cycle you're finding out whether or not you ovulate ovulation for women is so important from a performance enhancement like if you want women to get lean if you want women to get strong if you want them to be healthy they need to maintain some degree of ovulation throughout the duration of their prep and afterwards because you're getting then you're getting thermogenesis you're getting proper thyroid function you're getting proper hormonal milieu even if you're manipulating those hormones within that if you can still maintain ovulation or at least provide the body with some progesterone you're going to be so much better off like the best women in the world that i've worked with have maintained ovulation and there's a reason that they are the best. And that's that's one of them because there's just so many pro forms. I mean, even just think about progesterone and its, if, um, its impact on GABA. If you're training the ass out of these women to get them lean, they need something for their nervous system or else burnout is inevitable. And then they just come in soft and logy. They're not sleeping, mood issues, all of that. So I think there's a lot we can do with what, what are your go-to's for um increasing progesterone supplemental or otherwise stress reduction <laughs> okay that's so, yeah, biggest, so it's, okay. yeah that's just trying to con- control cortisol yeah okay well just think general stress reduction what can you do to keep that person in a state that they are going to be able to sleep get enough nutrients so even if they're in a caloric deficit are you giving them nutrient-dense foods because you can kind of trick the body into thinking it's a lot safer than it actually is. Um, our nutrient timing is another thing with that. Not doing fasted training, for example. All of those things have pro benefit for the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axes and hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axes. So there's definitely a benefit too to things like B6 as P5P. Um, that's great. Taurine, inositol. Uh, you don't want to overstimulate somebody to the point that they're now like getting crazy um, cysts and ovula- or ovarian issues, which people, when they start giving women Clomid and a bunch of other kind of pro-fertility drugs, when the woman's just not in a place to be fertile, that that's, gets a little bit messy. Bioidentical progesterone is badass. It just has to be used properly and um, in the right form because you're going to get different effects if you're using topical versus oral versus vaginal so there is a different mechanism at play with each of those cool thank cool. you cool we appreciate you taking the time very much thank you thanks guys walk. you want to stay for the gear questions we can you want to hang out you can, you can hang out with us if you want to We're I, don't gonna... know, I don't know if i can tango with you for you want to you're welcome to <laughs> 
It's up to you. No, I don't. You mean skip? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. It's really just skip talking, and then we chime in every. Okay, I'll tell you what. <laughs> hang out, hang out with us for this next one. All okay. right, because this is like just a fun one. Chase Iron sent this to us, uh, and he says, "You're building a gym. Name five machines that you must have." Who's going? Nate, go first for us. We haven't heard from you for a minute. All right. Uh, definitely quad extension, hack squat, um, Smith machine. Oh, shit. Oh, tough. You're running out of options. I, mean, I want to pick all five leg equipment, but. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we assuming that you have dumbbells and like all that kind of stuff? Yes. Let's, let's do that. Okay. okay. All right, cool. Okay. You assume you have all a full rack of dumbbells. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, then, I mean, obviously like a cable machine, um, Ooh, so one more. Oh, shit. A seated hamstring curl. <laughs> <laughs> so extension, curl, Smith. What was the other one? Hack, Excellent. right? Yeah. And then cable. Okay. Yeah, like a cable, like like lap pull-down combination, lap pull-down. Yeah, yeah. Row or that's something. a good yeah. combo. That's you get like eight yeah, in one there, so good. that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing I'm thinking is maybe, I mean, uh, Squat rack can be used for so many things from yeah. all you know, your benching and your rowing and your deads and your squats. I mean, that's the only one other one. But thing is, I don't know what I would want to give up. Would I want to <laughs> give up a Smith machine to do that? Are we building like our own? Well, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I'm, I guess I went to kind of like garage gym so that you could cover mm -hmm. so many exercises with those with those pieces i would get rid of the leg extension because i got a knee that can't handle one <laughs> so I, I can actually squat but i can't do leg extensions with four plates how pathetic is that but anyway that's old man problems i can't think of anything else to add to it now he, he talking about just pieces in general because when the question was asked originally i'm thinking i might go into like which hammer pieces i like <laughs> and shit like that but i guess that's not what he meant no i like that go go with it what like the hammer yeah, yeah like what particular ooh, what particular okay uh, well because i'm i want to be efficient i'm going to use the lat combination because it's because you can get two exercises <laughs> out of this one piece the incline hammer press and on the back side it's a lat pull so there i've oh, killed gosh. two birds with one stone huh huh don't right. call me dumb i know victoria's <laughs> still here but that's what i that's what i would do in the general milieu of my gym I didn't work that in there very well, but I got it in there nonetheless. <laughs> um, that's only two. Come on, help me out. Pendulum. I'm a big fan of a pendulum. I would take a pendulum over a hack squat, but I'm not an IFBB pro. So what do you think, Scott? <laughs> I love um, the that pendulum. That number three. Um, uh, come on, come on, come on. What else is in there? Help me out. Oh, from a, from a back row. Let's see if I have to pick like, well, I already have one lap pulled out, so I'd want a row. I would probably go. You guys tell me what you think. I like the hammer low row that comes yeah. from low to high. I like that's like my favorite yeah, yeah. of all the hammer rows. Uh, second would be the under grip seated row that's out in front um, with the regular one being the regular row seated row being the, the one that I like. Neutral grip. Yeah. So that's and, I, and if I did, I'd go Gen 1 because I like the Dorian hammer row better, um, which is funny because then you take out it takes out other options it's limited with the um 
you know, the angle, but you, they load differently. So you don't have to load like five plates on each side. It gets you heavier. Right now. <laughs> Am I, I, is I this say, like I'm, your, I'm talking is this a little this your eighth uh, machine? <laughs> no, that's <Yeah>. only four. <laughs> that's only four. You guys throw in, help me with the last one. Cause I don't know that I would, I can't think of. Well, you got back stuff. You have leg stuff. Any chest stuff? Throw in the big dumbbells and call it a day. Any chest stuff that you needed? <laughs> I would, uh, from a machine standpoint, I'm not as big. I mean, I'll use them, but I'm not as picky. Yeah. What about a pack deck? How important is that to yeah, you? It, uh, you got the cables, though. Yeah. You, oh, you can, yeah, never mind. Yeah. kind of get yeah. away with the cables. Yeah, but with the cable, we didn't we know, didn't specifically say whether it was one or whether it was a did you, did double. No, it's a double. Or it's or a double with, on one side, it's got it's got pull-downs on both sides. It's got the cables <laughs> okay. somewhere. We're it's, counting it's, the whole fucking machine. Yeah, yeah it's, okay, it's the gotcha. Cadillac of cable row setups. Yeah, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. Uh, I can't come up with a fifth. I don't know. I mean, did I you can't pick a think off the top of my head. Hamstring curl? What is it? A hamstring curl? Did you already pick one? I would definitely have a hamstring curl in there. Yeah, I would go there with you a go. seated. But yeah, that's yeah. that's my preference. But yeah. yeah. yeah, That's a good combo. How about you, Andrew? Uh, I'm going to try to keep it a little short-winded. <laughs> well, I was kind right. of put on the spot there. Kiss my <laughs> seated hand curl, hack <laughs> squat, the cable setup that we talked about. Um, some type of chest supported row. I'm not sure if I'd go with the T-bar or the hammer row, one or the other. As long as it has neutral and pronated grips, I think on the T-bar row, I'd probably go with that. And then one more would be some type of chest press, one of the hammer strengths. Um, probably just your, well, probably the incline hammer strength. That's a good combo. How about you, Victoria? You gotta come closer. Uh, well, I just feel like you can do a lot with cables like i could do well what don't we have that you would want well yeah. cables okay besides that because well, no, we said the cable row. but hear me out though because if with cables you could do hamstrings because you can do hamstring curl if you get the right attachments uh, okay I yeah not the same way right. it's not this we could do glute kickbacks and adductor work too, but we're trying but, to get huge. But that's here. what I'm. <laughs> but for me personally, I can do right, a lot. I can enough, do. I could do if I need to, like a whole workout and a pretty good one with just cables. Call it a day. I hate hack squats because I'm too short for them. They feel awful. So I would do leg press, way way more than hack squat because then I can also change my foot positioning. I can get quads. I can get glutes. I can get hams a lot better, a lot more versatile than if I was doing just having hacks. Yeah. Um, I would do something for back that would completely eliminate any low back issues. So like with the T-bar, the hammer one, I find that I can still engage my low back, which if I've got mostly, um, yeah, get me some cables. I've been saying that, um, he wants to get a, a back machine I wouldn't be able to use, but, uh, so I would do something like the seated hammer row that you can either do double or the alternate yeah. like you can do one arm and then the other one and it's got all the different group yeah. styles on it yeah. um and then i'd probably do something like an like an incline press because then at least i'm hitting some shoulder some chest like a hammer um because then i can fill the gaps in with dumbbells so what's that for Five. Wait, I was assuming that the the dumbbells, the benches were included. Yeah, we got the. We're gonna include the dumbbells, like just free weight. That's just just a given. I just meant like, so if I use like say a hammer strength seated incline press, I will hit some shoulder and I'll hit some chest. Whereas if I just were to do a flat, I would only hit mostly chest. If I were just gonna do shoulder press, so if I don't have say a spotter, at least something like that, I can still hit some good weight and kind of get some more muscles involved. 
I did this at the start of the. He pandemic. did, and he failed. I, I failed at building a gym. He went all commercial <laughs> equipment, and now He's, there's no he showed room. us his pride and joy several times. He's got a pretty nice gym set up, but well, he does. You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the issue: is that if you get a piece, a nice piece of leg equipment, then you're going to want to train legs at home. And if it's, I've never actually heard. Okay, there's a story called "If You Give a Mouse a Cookie." Have you ever heard that? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. Yeah. And if you give him a glass of milk, he's going to ask for something else and something else. And the story keeps going. But the, so I, if you get a nice hack squat, then you're going to want to have an extension. And if you have an extension, you're going to want a hamstring curl. And if you got those things, then you're going to want a leg press. So that's what happened at my house. I get the point, but I think the mouse can't talk. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I get your point, your little analogy thing, but a mouse can't. I can't ask for anything. Oh, God. Anyway, go it's, it's a kid's story to try to tell them to be happy with what they got. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So that's the way my gym setup went. And I'm looking for enough room to put in like a nice back machine. And that's all we got room for. I have a chest press, too. So there's there's that. I don't like your chest press. She doesn't like like 70% of the equipment. I it, he you guys I was would away. freaking love it. Like, you guys no, would love I, I it. I was away for eleven months, and then he like got all the stuff that I don't fit in, like I'm too short for. So right. with those hack squats, have you ever used um, the uh, the pads that you put on your shoulders underneath the uh, the shoulder pads? They're like these like blocks. Yeah, yeah. If you look up uh, Michaela Aox page, she yeah. she hack squats with those. She's a shorter huh. woman. And she's able to actually. She puts most guys to shame with the weight she uses yeah, on that hack squat. She does. See, I have to um, usually like at a commercial gym. I'll carry around like a mat, like one of the stretching mats, and I'll yeah. bend it and fold it because I have to make like high chairs for myself for rows and like leg presses and, then it, like, and all that gets stuff. Gets your neck in a weird place. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we should check those out for you. Get some use out of the Body Master hack. It's so heavy too. That his heavy is so fuck. heavy. It's heavy as fuck. I can't do. I, it's, I have to Oh, the body master. Yeah, yeah, the body master. Yeah, I agree. And I want know. Nate yeah, to come over because I want to see <clears throat> Nate use this machine. I just do. That would be so. Heavy. It's real steel. Yeah. yeah it <laughs> I just. Would, I want to see you put it to work, everything. man. Because I could imagine you could throw some plates on that thing. Me and Jordan will come over. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we we're gonna move on. Uh, we've got a. We still have some more questions here. We'll try to get through a few of them. I wasn't sure where to go with uh, this one. We had the question. Um, what was it? He, he said, "What are some old school training nuggets that have been forgotten uh, that work?" He says, "Old school training nuggets that work but have been forgotten." Like Vince Garanda's bench press. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I was just saying, like, Oops. more like um, approaches to training. But I was going to say, just leave your your phone in your gym bag so that you're actually training. After the first uh, of the year, we're all being annoyed by that after the first of the year bullshit, right? Yeah, now. but you know what? Well, I tell everybody to be nice to those people because they subsidize your gym membership costs because the gym makes a bunch true. of money in January and it keeps yeah. the rates lower for the rest of the year. So that is true. You know? Thank you for joining us, Victoria. My gym, I don't have to deal with it as much because when people come after the first year, they go to like 24-hour fitness. They go to the Planet Fitness, that type. They don't come to the more hardcore gyms because they're intimidated by it. So they kind of stay out. We don't see much of a change after the first, and it's been kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I think uh, one thing that me and actually Scott and Skip talked about, I think, privately, 
is I see a lot of guys doing a lot of fixed um, motion back movements and they're missing lower backs these days, like on the pro stage, mm. so like not to pick on them, but like Hunter Labrada, big Ramy, they don't really have a lower back. You know, I think a lot of people are sort of marrying themselves to the, the fancy new back machines and something they're you know, like a barbell row or a T bar row where you're bracing, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty good lower back because of those movements because I stabilize, you know what I mean? And obviously I deadlifted for many years and did a lot of rack pulls and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's, sort of you know with the newer age a lot of these fancy machines a lot of people tend to gravitate away from you know doing some of that hard movements that's sort of like secondary building back like muscles and also to chime off of that another thing i see a lot of people do is when they're trying to teach people about like lifting is they're so focused on taking every muscle group out of the movement and lifting perfectly so like when you're saying like a side raise you know, you have to do it perfectly. You don't want to engage your your traps, and when you do a pullover, you don't want to you don't want to utilize your chest or your triceps. Well, everyone could use more chest and triceps, and everyone can use a little bit more traps. You know, so sometimes <laughs> I think those things get a little overcomplicated, where yeah. you can use some of those secondary muscles, and it's perfectly fine because most of us need some of those. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. I think a good example of that is look at how Jordan Janowitz lifts a lot of things. Like it's very aggressive, I guess. Um, like I think he was doing like 70 or 80 pound side lateral raises and oh, yeah, yeah, it's not all on his deltoid. It's, you know, some of it's on his traps, but right. damn, the dude's got shoulders and traps growing for days. So yeah, yeah that's a, that's probably the biggest take on Nate. That's a great point is mm-hmm. trying to get so specific on those individual muscle fibers that you're losing out on all the assisting muscles from doing some of the work, not all of it, but some of the work. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a like, balance. You got to like know how to do, you got to know how to isolate, but then you got to know how to do that too. I totally agree. Yeah, I just find it silly when you get a, a small, skinny dude who's saying you're doing something wrong. And you're using twenty pound dumbbell, and you go, "He's look at the size of this motherfucker, and he's using seventies. Is he doing something wrong?" And you're doing it all right, but he's huge, and you're not. I, I don't. Well, he just takes a lot of drugs. That's all. It is. You know, I actually, on that point, uh, it's funny because I've noticed a lot lately that people have their their coaches for their diet and drug and whatnot, and then they have training coaches too. And I look at some of these training coaches, and I'm like this guy don't even lift weights. Like how is this guy telling this 250 pound monster what to do? And this guy's like 150, 170 pounds and looks like, you know, maybe, maybe at one point he was, you know, somebody, but I just noticed that lately a lot on Instagram. I'm seeing a lot of coaches that are being tagged just for training. And then, and, and they're like to, to exactly to Nate's point, you can see them. They're trying to like coach them up on like, oh, no, no, you got to take this uh, muscle out of it or and you, you got to stop doing so much momentum on this. And I'm like, you're just retarding that guy's growth. Huh? Yeah. yeah. I can see that. All right. Any other old school forgotten training tips that you guys can think of while I find this next question? Well, I, I'll honestly, if we're talking about movements, because it doesn't sound like movements, but that's kind of where we went. I, I, you guys might disagree with me. I think that the press behind neck with the bar not going too low, like to basically eyeball or nose level, I think it is highly underrated. I, I really agree. do. And it was something that I came back to. Now, you have to have the shoulder mobility, and I understand it. You got to be careful with the movement. I get it. But it is a really good side delt exercise, which is kind of funny because if anybody's listening, they go, side delt? What's he talking about? Mm-hmm. It is predominantly a side. Obviously, you got stabilizer shit going and everything else. But it doesn't bomb your front delts like you would think in overhead pressure. You have to get in front of your face to do that or turn the elbows in. And when you go behind the neck, your elbows are forced to flare. They're forced wide. And it's a lot of side delt. It is a, I think it's one of the more underrated 
And, you know, it's funny because a lot of these movements have been taken out of our our toolbox, so to speak, because of the advancement in machines. Hmm, I get yeah. it. I understand why. But, you know, I remember when I first started, you didn't do a tricep, ex, uh, tricep workout without doing dumbbell kickbacks. Are you kidding? And if for no other reason, maybe your triceps grew at the same rate your rear delts were. So if you have rear delt problems, throw kickback, dumbbell kickbacks into your tricep workout because stabilizing that arm when it's extended right. is going to pump the mm -hmm. shit out of your out of your uh, rear delts. I don't know that it's a great mass builder, uh, but at the same time, I, mean, I think of uh, what else is back there. I think regular dips, and I'm guilty of it, regular dips are gone. You don't see too many people doing regular dips any, anymore. Um, the hammer dip has replaced it. Why? Because it just it's more isolative you're hitting a lot of the same muscles, but it's just more specific. You can, you know, you can obviously handle uh, or change the weight resistance and stuff. Chins. Do you see, I don't see big guys do chins anymore. If you can row, I, I will use Dusty as an example, not to beat him up because he doesn't do chins. Maybe he does do chins, but if you got big guys who can row ridiculous pounds, yeah, you're big, but you could probably do a goddamn chin. The bitch is, is you can't, it's harder to control the resistance to change it. You're just stuck with your body weight. Um, but I've I've forced my not forced, that's not the right word, but I have gone back to some of the basics. And one of them is chins because I there's just something about getting on an assisted chin <laughs> chin up that makes me go, you know, you've been doing this shit too fucking long. This doesn't have anything to do with a bad knee. You should be able to do some fucking, you know, chins or pull-ups. And I think they're, you know, I think that's a missing gem, if you will. Can you go back any further? Like the Garand, you know, Garand is a good example. I think you mentioned him, Andrew. I mean, obviously, just yeah, uh, you know, he revolutionized training back. But can you think of anything specific that uh, sissy squats? That, oh, okay, that's right. not used. Yeah, yeah. That's I was going to say that much. that when I was in high school and for the years after, we did finished every workout with like three sets of as many sissy squats as you could get. And those were killer. I mean, those left you on the floor afterwards because you had to have a buddy kind of hold on to your hand for the last couple of reps. So you didn't fall over backwards. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think every gym, my gym has one and I rarely see it being used. I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, actually we used to put weight on our back and do sissy squats. Um, you know, like a, kind of like a, like a squat, but it was just yeah. so isolating to the quads. Um, that's the only one I can really think of. All right. And more specifically, rectus femurs. I, it's funny because I would rather do those than leg extensions because I think they hit. That's just me. Um, yeah. and, and they're actually easier on my knees than leg extensions. You know, there's that component of doing shit for almost 40 years, too, where things like leg extensions and those types of movements that had seemed so innocuous for years. I think they kind of catch up with you after a while because that shearing force on the knee. Uh, I'll stop there, but there's there's a lot there to some of those some of those exercises. Even bench dips. I mean, go back to bench dips. I think we're most of us are too damn big. If I'm too too big to do bench dips comfortably, you know where you go in between two benches and your hands are behind you. I, oh, I hit yeah. up Mountain Dog when he did them. I'm like, how the fuck did you even get into that position? He goes, it was painful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure it was. Holy shit! If I can't get into that position, how the hell did you do that? All right, let's tear through a couple more. Low dose T325, I think he means micrograms, uh, year round for older guys. I'm going to say no what flat I would do out, is, but you guys can go for it. Well, that, that'd be my, my first answer is no flat out, but check your blood work. And if there's a need for it, then yeah, then, yeah but but I wouldn't just, just, oh, you're over 45 and you're bodybuilding. I wouldn't <laughs> just throw 25 mgs of T3 in, mics, I should say, of T3 in just for the shit of it. 
I want to go to like T4 first. Like if there's yeah, thank you. That's my thought as well. That's a great point. Yeah, great point. The other thing too is is people uh, because he's older. um, I saw the profile picture, but if he's if you're older, look, a lot of people, and I don't know that he's doing this, but a lot of people my age. So I'll put myself in there too. We start to see how our body fat is stored differently. Metabolism slows down everything else. But take a long, hard look at your eating and your diet because older dudes think they're dieting, but they're not fucking dieting. Get dieting. (laughs) Dig in and fucking diet to get lean. And you'll be surprised that you don't. It's not a thyroid issue like all the girls that I went to school with who get on Facebook and talking about their thyroid issues while they're drinking every night. But anyway, next question. All right. Um... How has your training, uh, training principles evolved over time? And what do you make sure to cover in terms of principles and philosophies through a training program uh, when you make one? Do you have any ways you prefer to periodize training through an off season or during prep? Nate, why don't you tackle this one? Um. <clears throat> It's, it's a long-winded question, but uh, I think I get the idea. I mean, for me, as I train more and more, I get more intuitive with my recovery and when I need it. Um, hmm. I think that's crucial. I think a lot of guys aren't really in tune with that and either train too much or don't really train enough or with enough intensity, I guess you'd say. Um, so it's really like sort of learning yourself, um, having a relationship with you and your training, right? So it's like ever-growing. Um, so for me, you know, I started out sort of with a lot of volume, um, and then slowly over years as more muscle was acquired, um, a little bit less volume. Um, I still like high frequency. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, if the recovery is right, so it's never set in stone, my training at least. Um, so, you know, that could change, you know, say I have a long off season Well, I could train five, six days a week, and then I might adapt and train to four days a week, um, depending on how my body feels, um, how much food I'm eating, um, just a bunch of variables like that. And then another big thing over time, I think for myself, it's learning how to contract, train with intent, um, you know, utilize the muscle the most you can. Um, So you know, for like back or something, I see a lot of guys, they don't really have a great back. Um, it's cause they're not really, they don't have a good connection with it. They don't really know how to train it properly. Um, so it's really sort of obviously analyzing your physique and how you want to improve it and going back to the drawing board always. Um, so if something's not working, you know, I will change it. So I brought up my legs a lot this last year. Well, I was always under the impression that, you know, I didn't want to train, train with too much volume or frequency with my legs because they're such a big muscle group. Well, I found I responded a lot better this year when I trained quads twice a week Hmm. because I felt like I could handle it. And then also, you know, for a long time I was, you know, lifting very heavy on legs, but I, my range of motion was sort of limited. Um, So this year, you know, my range of motion got much better. So it's one of those things that I went back to the drawing board because I wasn't happy with the progress on my legs. Um, So it's really about being honest with yourself you know, is this training working? Is it not working? If not, you know, how am I going to change it? Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I could, oh man, it's like I could keep going because my training has always, I, I feel like I've always been really in tune with my training. Um, and it's, it's one of those things you're just so always analyzing it and you're sort of always, you know, 
like I said, you sort of use the pictures, your progress, um, what can I change? And then obviously as you get bigger, you, you age, you know, that kind of stuff comes into play. Um, and obviously as you get older, you can't really, the progressive overload thing sort of gets, well, at least if you're progressing in strength, obviously there's many terms to progressive overload. Um, but you know, chasing strength obviously becomes one of those things where it's, you know, not quite like it used to be when you're in your twenties or whatever. Um, right. so it's sort of adapting over time, I guess, and, um, you know, using your brain, <laughs> honestly. I don't know. You want it, Andrew? You know, I'm going to be real quick. Uh, but, you know, like a lot of people, when they started training in high school, it was just throw as much volume at it as you can. I probably did eight different exercises for chest and, you know, actually, I actually did like eight or 10 different exercises for legs. So I really liked training legs back then, contrary to like a lot of kids. Um, so a lot of volume through college. And then I hooked up with Dante. He completely changed my mindset and he had me training three days a week, very low volume on the um, initial DC template. Um, and then we bumped up, up to the, uh, the four day split, which I wrote out probably for a good eight or nine years. And now, um, I'm kind of more in an intermediate group where, you know, I've, I've gotten everything I can out of just straight progressive overload with the, uh, the weight being the only prime determinant of success. And, you know, as, as Nate, like Nate pointed out, training with more intent and, dividing up body parts to realizing okay maybe legs do a little bit better with a certain type of volume versus your you know a chest or a shoulders with a with a different uh, scale of volume so i'm kind of in the media in the middle there from where i was when i first started to my intermediate part of my career to to now um and and i'm you know talking about um you know training volume one of the first things i do with guys um and myself is you know I'm not afraid to pull training days back where I used to be very dogmatic about, Oh, I got to get my six days in or whatever the heck I'm doing on my program, because it is an obsessive compulsive thing. We're bodybuilders. I got to go to the gym today. I have my one day off on Sunday where I cook all my chicken and rice that I'm going to eat all week. And, and then it's just to prepare me for my next six days of training. That's out the window now. I'm totally fine training three days a week. Even if I feel like that's what's progressing me for the level of stress I have, the level of work I have and the way my body's recovering at that time i'll just leave it i don't have too much to add to that because you guys covered it quite well with things that i was going to say one of the things that stands out though that i tell people all the time whether it's clients or anybody who asks me is uh, and i wrote it down just so i wouldn't forget there's a difference between what you when it comes to training and training volume and even intensity and frequency there's a difference between what you can handle and what you can benefit from we Hmm, can all do more work so it's difficult to know I can get another set. I, maybe I need another set, but there's a difference between what you can do and what you can handle or what you can benefit from. I think that it took me probably longer than most to, um, to, to accept that, I guess. I have that more is better mentality. And a lot of us do and what we do. When in doubt, add more protein. When in doubt, add more gear. When in doubt, add more cardio when you're getting leaner. Um, cut calories more, things like that. So it, it was, it was a constant constant battle for me. Um, the other thing that I think is important is the longer you train, you made a good point with this, Andrew, is uh, when you first start out, you're doing a lot of volume and you can look back and you say, oh, it was too high. Maybe it wasn't because you're building neurological pathways and you're connecting with that muscle first and knowing what it feels like and teaching yourself what it feels like to do that and what it feels like to generate intensity. You guys, all of us know that the longer you train, the more you can tolerate from a pain and exhaustion and intensity standpoint to the point where I've asked myself before, 
maybe our intensity levels are still so that they're still too high, even though we may not feel they're high because it's almost like if you deal with a pain, yeah, I have nerve pain. I've dealt with it for 15 years. It was really bad the first three years. It's no different now. It might even be a little bit worse, but I have just come to accept it. And I wonder if that's not the same with intensity. And then it's harder to kick back because you feel like you're being a pussy because you're not training as hard as you possibly can. But again, that comes back to what I was saying. You, you can, it depends. There's a big difference between what you can do and what you can benefit from. I'll leave it there. I can't disagree. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like for me, uh, by the way, Maddie joined me. This is Victoria's dog. Um, I think for, for me, what's been interesting is uh, I felt like I had made some really cool discoveries as of a couple of years back and progressive overload really was making the most sense to me. You know, before that I had used more volume and I'd say, you know what? I think we all kind of start, like we all kind of talked about, you know, we started with more volume. I think that's really common, you know, and eventually we learn that volume doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't keep producing and we got to figure out something else. Um, now I got to, I have to evolve again. So I'm not sure where I'm at now with my, my lungs post COVID. I feel like, like when you go to take a breath, like if you were to stop taking that breath, like three quarters of the way, that's where I feel like my lungs are all the time. So being able to do some of the stuff I've done in the past, at this point, at least it's not an option. So, you know, I feel like we all have limitations and for this year, instead of like just waiting to get better and feeling bad about it, I'm trying to figure out like, well, okay, what are, what are, what can I do? How can I work right. around this? Look at it the same way I'd look at a low back issue. You know, mm -hmm. how can I still train legs with a bad low back? And uh, Victoria mentioned it to me that she put it into perspective, which is it's tough. It's harder because I've dealt with a low back issue, but with that, it's like, well, I can still do leg press. If you can't breathe, you, that limits everything like you can't be like I'm just going to push through this because you just get less and less air but that's that's where I'm at I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it but I say this with hope because I do feel like like there is going to be a solution I've worked through a lot of shit before so I, I think I'm going to be able to keep working through this too and who knows maybe my lungs will keep improving along the way too mm-hmm all right, let's see if we got we can get through like maybe one or two more of these because, like I said, we did have a lot of them. Um, man, we got a lot of these like reflective questions. Looking back at your bodybuilding careers, what's one thing that you wish you knew when you were younger? Everything I know now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not one to thing? say I Come know everything. Here. I don't want to give that impression. All I'm saying is, I, I've said the same thing about parenting. I want to go back and do it again because I know I'd do it so much better. That's just mm -hmm. wisdom. That's just experience that you gain over time and you want to go back. You wish you could go back and do it all again, but it doesn't work that way. You get to the point of having wisdom after you've built up and you've, and it's not about your successes and the things you did right. It's about everything you fucking did wrong. I mean, going back to what you were saying, Scott, these types of things like your lungs, my knee, your guys' injuries, they make you smarter because you've got an obstacle in front of you. You have to be creative with your training and get through this obstacle because the alternative is sitting on the couch eating Doritos and Cheetos. Right. Uh, or Mountain Dew and Cheeto, whatever. But the point is, is these things make it's a challenge to us. I know I said to myself with the knee, I'm like, I, I'm a smart guy. I've been doing this shit a long time. 
I, not train legs. Are you fucking kidding? I am smart enough to find a way around this. So we learn from those things. And that's what has gotten us to the point where we have all this experience and we have the knowledge and we're still all learning and we're still all growing. But shit, I'd do it. I'd go back in a fucking heartbeat and do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> old guyisms, Things old guys say for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, I think that covers it. I I can't add anything to Skip's response there. You know, I mean, I mean that's tough. Looking for I, mean, something I would say the only thing I can really think of is like a lot of guys tend to neglect like calves and hamstrings, and so like starting out, you know, I would try to stay on the top of that kind of stuff because I pick, I felt like I played catch up for a little bit on those two. So I mean. But I'm saying instead that, of like a typical like you know kids like to do like chest work and biceps typically, yeah, yeah, yeah. like maybe just become a full well-rounded bodybuilder a little bit earlier in your career. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just start, I was so obsessed with like training my quads for legs, you know, that I didn't really I sort of neglected the hamstrings and then calves. I never honestly trained until like two or three years ago. <laughs> Did you ever end up with it? Do you have any lower back injuries? I'm just curious if that may have played into because your quads would have gotten so strong and then your posterior chain not be as strong. Or did you do things like you still did heavy bent rows or deads that still would have hit hamstrings and kept your lower back in pretty good condition as far as strength imbalance, imbalance from front to back? Well, I did. I did deadlift a lot like every week for the first like three or four years okay uh, my training so i think that helps my posterior chain but i did mm -hmm. not like back injuries but like you know flare-ups i would say like you know every now and then where i get like a pulled muscle or whatever in the same spot uh, not often but maybe like once a year it'll happen um so i mean that that could be stem from that honestly maybe. sure yeah my, my hamstrings are pretty weak i mean like obviously like not like weak but compared to the general public but you know when i do like a hamstring curl or a lying ham curl you know i might have like a newer guy that's sort of matching me on that and i'm like what the hell <laughs> you know <laughs> right, yeah, but right i would say Seriously. that's more because like we talk about this a lot like you're training more with intent and you're you're, you're hmm. targeting the, the fibers yeah. and yeah. i think you made a good point the other day in a post or something about training your hamstrings in a very similar way to you that you train the biceps yeah right didn't you make that yeah yep yeah, yep yeah. Because and, and where I'm going with this is, we've all seen someone put too much weight, and I'm guilty yeah, of putting yeah. too much weight on uh, on a line hamstring curl just to say you rack the stack and, and put yeah, right. a 25 yeah. or a 45 on top of that. The reps weren't very clean, and, and, right. and the only thing you're doing really is increasing your risk of injury to tearing the hamstring or right. hurting your lower back. Whereas, yeah. like I don't rack out the hamstring, the uh, max up the hamstring curl anymore. I want to I want to treat it like I do a bicep full range of motion, get right. a really good strong pump in there. Exactly. And how many of you guys see you do like a five plate RDL, but their hamstrings aren't really that great or the 45? I know, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the trend that I've seen. That Very good example. Yep. Yeah. yep. Agreed. I'd say there's probably a lot of things I would, I mean, there's a lot of things I learned along the way. And if I could go back and teach myself that stuff sooner, you know what I mean? That would be like a, yeah. that'd be a game changer. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I took my, I, I was taking, uh, my doctor was like, here, here's some back drum. You can use this for your acne. And I was like, okay, cool. I took that for like months, like months, taking Bactrim. It's freaking strong antibiotic. Yeah. And I was wondering why my stomach hurt so bad. I was going to say. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. And yeah. it took like two years to fix that. Like my gut was destroyed from yeah. that, running it for just months and months. He kept filling the prescription. I had a lot of Bactrim going through me. Uh, 
but I wish I, I wish I knew that. And I, I feel like kind of like that's what we do with the podcast is like everything we do, everything we talk about, it's like stuff that we've learned not to do or, you know what I mean? How to, how to do better. I don't know. It'd be our, all of our shows. I think, yeah. I don't know. I think I had one more real simple one. Best PED for a first, uh, best PEDs for a prep for a first timer. Let's just rattle through what you guys would suggest and we'll call it a day here. First timer? Hmm. Like, you know, testosterone, EQ, Masteron. And I, for first timer, I might leave it at that. Maybe, you know, maybe some clenbuterol. Um, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not the type that's like, oh, you got to use trend your first prep cycle. Right. Oh, yeah. um, I'm not the type let's throw in three different orals, you know, like I think you can get a lot out of just doing test EQ master on um, pretty much the whole way and um, just diet your ass off. Learn, learn how to diet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, think- I think the only thing I'd add is, I mean, again, it's just as a different opinion because I can't disagree with that, but maybe even switching out. Uh, or not switching out, but leaving the master on out and throwing in Anabar for the last eight weeks. And again, I just throw well, that out there as a different option. Not <laughs> I was the you same always got to add Anabar. To <laughs> yeah. And then add in Anabar for the last 43 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, let's wrap this thing up, guys. I appreciate you hanging out here and, uh, you know, talking with everybody. I know everybody's been loving the show. Uh, I, I think it's been doing really well. And everybody has been enjoying Nate too, so I'm glad we could we could get him on here again. This is cool. Definitely, thanks I'll for having me on, buddy. Guys. Any closing words, Andrew? Any closing thoughts, man? Uh, just thank you to all the uh, people that comment, send questions, YouTube comments, all that stuff, like and all, all the likes and the shares and everything. And um, I'm just happy that uh, we sealed the deal this year with Nate getting his card. Yes, it was, it was a long time coming. I think a lot of people in the industry thought of Nate as a pro before he got the official, you know, title. And um, you know, here's to successful 2022 uh, debut, soft debut, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah soft debut. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your humility, Nate, because I think that's, uh, you know, I've always bitched about people in the sport for a long time and I make no apologies for it. So I always appreciate when the guys like you and they're the exception to the rule, in my opinion. Um, And maybe I'm not giving people enough credit and I'm looking at, you know, looking for negative and stuff like that. But I do think that it's the exception to the rule. You carry yourself very well. And I think for someone like myself, who's been around for a long time, I appreciate you outside of knowing you and in being a fan, um, arguably fanboy. but <laughs> you know, cause I, I, I wanted to see you do well. And I've wanted to see, you. I think we all have a lot of us have really been pulling for you. Yeah. And it, it, that's what stands out with me is your humility. And I always appreciate that in sport. Cause I, I think there's not enough of it. So it's good to see. It's very good to see. It's good sure. Yeah, that's well put, Skip. Well, listen, guys, if uh, if you want to reach out to any of us for coaching, you can go to teamskip.com to reach out to Skip. You can reach out to Andrew over at bodyberry.com. Hit Nate up on Instagram. You you don't have a site yet, right, Nate? I'm sure that's probably in the works, though. I do have a YouTube channel, though, so if you guys oh. want to check that out. All right, cool. I'll be sure to tag you then in the um, in the YouTube page. So. People can uh, just basically click that. Go subscribe to Nate. Check out what he's doing. What do you got going on over there? Uh, just like a lot of training tips and stuff so far. I'm going to put out a posing video here soon for beginners. Nice. Just some cues and that kind of stuff and just sort of keep it going every week. So That'll be cool. That'll be nice. That'll be a nice resource. I'll, uh, 
I'll, I'll be sure to send people over to check that posing out. I feel like we need some good posing videos on YouTube now, you know, yeah, instructional sure. stuff. All right, cool. And uh, of course, uh, yes, yeah, so go over to Nate on YouTube. Go to hit him up on Instagram for coaching. Hit me up over at McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging with us. If you want to support our programming, you can do that through Patreon. You can shop with True Nutrition using our code THINK. And you can shop with SupplementSource.ca out in Canada. Guys, we appreciate everybody hanging on the live feed. And uh, like Andrew said, hit the like button, share, subscribe, all that stuff. We'll see you guys. Thank you.